All right, and welcome everybody to another episode of the EM Over Easy podcast. I am joined by Drew Cowan, my co-host, and I am Andy Little, the co-host, the host. Drew's been on this terminology lately that that that's something. So we are joined by two amazing guests. People have been on the show before. Molly Estes, how are you? Doing fantastic. How are you guys doing? And Tiffany Profit. Amazing and always better than Drew. Oh. Doesn't take much. In, in the list of things we were going to talk about, there's an equation I came across that I thought this would be a great group for us to, to cover this. And if you've listened to previous episodes, one of my favorite equations to talk about with how you deal with situations is E plus R equals O, event plus re- response equals outcome. But there was one that came across when I was doing some research about trust, and it's called the trust equation. This comes from, again, professional development literature and MBA. If you've got an MBA, you've probably heard a lecture about this before. But I've never seen it applied in the hospital. And it's one that I came across and was intrigued by and wanted to bring bring this to Drew so for Drew to probably rip it apart and then for other people to give their opinion about what they think. So for those that don't know what the trust equation is, I'm going to tell it to you. So it's T, which is trustworthiness, equals credibility plus reliability plus intimacy all over self-orientation. So what do you guys think? At, at face value, what does this look like to you? Well, minus having bad flashbacks to high school algebra. This actually, I, I think that this pretty accurately describes the challenge in medicine, right? So as a physician trying to ca- take care of another human being, you are trying to establish the fact that, hey, no, really, you can trust me, that I'm going to hold up the my side of this treatment bargain. So cre- credibility, reliability. You're trying to establish some sort of connection with a patient so that they feel as if you care about them as another human being. The self-orientation part, I think, is where I begin to kind of question, like, what does that actually mean? So maybe somebody can give me some insight onto that one. Yeah, so when I was looking at this, self-orientation was the one that threw me for a loop, too, because it, it's not, it just doesn't make sense initially. But so self-orientation is really talking about the idea of selfishness and whether you are really focused and attentive to, and coming out of the business world, like you're your client's needs, which I guess would be the needs of medicine or patient's needs or maybe our hospital's needs. And that's where it gets kind of messy because what is the self-orientation that we really need to be focused on to be good health care providers, to be good people? Where does this this really apply? Well, I guess, and I can see its applicability more in how it falls apart. As right now, we're all coming out of the COVID pandemic. Burnout is an all-time high. If you've lost some of that sense of yourself and your autonomy as a physician or your belief in the house of medicine, that's going to crumble and you're going to come across as not maintaining that role to your patient. And then you're going to lose credibility and then you're going to lose reliability and you're going to lose intimacy and they're not going to trust you. We're just going to have this continued perpetuation of this the continued perpetuation of this cycle of attacking physicians right now and not trusting physicians and not trusting medicine. Yeah, I think it's interesting that when you, like, again, you brought up public trust of physicians and it's at an all-time low. And I think part of that comes down to is, is that over the course of the pandemic, we our credibility was put in, put into play. Public health, per, public health physicians were put on on blast. There were people who were out there just to prove them wrong and really that's all they did. And then the reliability of the data that we were getting wasn't great. And then the intimacy of we actually weren't able to be as intimate with our patients as we could be because we were behind masks and behind gowns and we weren't letting families into the rooms. And that really kind of led to this huge lack of trust in the healthcare system on multiple fronts to where I imagine that was easy because all the pieces were were thrown thrown away, let alone the fact that if just one of them was a problem. 
I think if you break it down, intimacy is the issue in all of this, to be to be fair, particularly when we apply it to medicine. So when you think like credibility and, re- credibility and reliability are where we think we can excel, it's where we're told to excel, right? I mean, we want to be credible. The institution we work for, us as individual providers, us as people, reliability, okay, that makes sense, right? But, but intimacy, but really, I think that's what patients, that's what individuals are looking for. And it's the, the business adage of you, you buy with your heart, but you justify with your brain, right? But yet we de-emphasize from a quality, from a productivity, from a, from, and then throw the pandemic on top of it, intimacy gets de-emphasized. So then if we have a low score for intimacy and there's a lot of self-orientation as the denominator, then we start getting that low trustworthy score. I can, I can kind of start to wrap my head around this a little bit. Well, have you guys heard of the all of the articles and all of this latest talk about medical gaslighting? So the, when I first heard about this, it just absolutely stunned me. I could not believe it. I read this article from a patient advocate who is telling patients how doctors are out to completely screw them over. And if your doctor says this, then this is really what they mean. And you need to advocate for yourself in all of these different ways. And some of them were ideas that I fundamentally cannot do in the emergency room. Like if a patient thinks that they need a test and their doctor tells them that they can't get that test, that it's because I'm judging you as a patient, when in reality, I just literally can't get an MRI for your shoulder pain in my department. And so not only has intimacy been broken down because of patients' lack of trust in their physicians and lack of connection with their physicians, which was always a challenge. Even before the pandemic, we were given less than 10 minutes to try to establish a human connection with another, with our patient. But now our patients are actually being encouraged by current social think that I'm out to harm them in some way. And that if I won't give them what they want, there's five reasons you can bring up and they'll bring up sex race. Oh, and it's little, I, I, I got nothing like you're asking for stuff. I don't do here. Like, yeah. And they also have this perception that for some reason, if they think at least what I've encountered, they don't belong in some societal tier, then they're being denied X, Y, Z thing. The MRI of the shoulder is the perfect example because they're not in a higher tier. They're like, well, if I was in that tier, would you get me an MRI? I'm like, no, because I don't have it. <laughs> There's really this misperception that it, it's always been our perception on the physician side of things that our calling as ER docs goes back to the to the original saying, anyone, anytime, place, regardless of the ability to pay, that we had the ability to judge for our patients based off of their presenting problem alone, what they needed medically, and we did not take any other single factor into account. And now that has the misperception on the part of the patients is that that is not the case in any way, shape, or form. That, in fact, we are taking everything else into account and their medical complaint secondary, which is very discouraging to me. Agreed. So, yes. Yeah, yes. you go, girl. <laughs> I know. I was like, and, and somebody seven. please recover this. And, you <laughs> no, but and because I don't want... we still want to stay in medicine because. Well, no, it's like, <laughs> medicine's I, great. I don't, awesome. I don't want this to be true, but yeah. it is true. So then how do we fix it? Yeah. And, and the thing is, I think part of that is, is that I don't know if we there's not an easy fix to this. When I came across this, it was all those things are true. The pandemic has made this to where there are multiple parts of this trustworthy equation that are, I don't want to say screwed, but are, are not functioning optimally. <laughs> I did say screwed. You yeah, did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but maybe not less function- than ideal, less than ideal, less than ideal. That's from a baseline standpoint. When I talk to other providers or when I even just check myself, 
what is the one of these three parts, credibility, reliability, or intimacy, you think we can move a needle on to try to get the trustworthy, get to get our levels of trustworthiness with patients up? I think that we could work more and actually affect some change at the intimacy level. I know it's going to make Drew feel super awkward. But now that we've taken away the PPE, we still have masks or we still have glasses. But so many of my patients, as things started calming down the first time I touched their hand, they're like, I haven't had anyone touch my hand in a year. No one in the medical setting. And it's just reorienting and going back to the fact that, yes, you're my patient, I'm your physician, but we're still people and I care about you and I'm trying to care for you and I genuinely care for you. And I see just that even going into medicine as a whole, how there's all these articles about reprioritizing the physical exam in med schools and residency because we kind of got away because we're overwhelmed. We saw too many people. We relied too much on imaging. And I think the pandemic really highlighted that importance. And I'm hoping that means we're going to shift it back a little more. I think you're really right. Anybody else have that attending in residency who always gave the lecture about how to connect with your patients? You sit down at the edge of the bed, you look them directly in the eye, you don't interrupt them for the first three minutes or however about 30 seconds. 30 Let's seconds. be clear. It's 30 seconds. <laughs> three minutes three if you're a hospitalist. Too long. I, I timed <laughs> myself on the three minutes thing before. It feels like eons. I'm lucky um, to get 20 seconds and that's never mind. <laughs> But I think that those that actually is the answer, right? It's exactly what you're talking about. It is getting back to making that human connection. And we still want to cut corners with these things because our volumes are up and our wait times are up and our throughput times are garbage. But we actually can't afford to cut corners when it comes to this because otherwise we're going to be dealing with a patient population who doesn't trust us at all, who are not coming to us and... I don't think that that's a line that any of us are willing to cross. Hey, everybody. It's Andy Little here, one of the hosts of EM Over Easy. If there was an ultrasound cover or a scanning pad that could help make ultrasound-guided procedures safer, easier, and more convenient, both for you and your patients, don't you think you'd be interested? Now, remember, inserting an intravenous device is one of the most frequently performed invasive patient interventions in the emergency department. But despite their frequency, establishing an IV can still be challenging, particularly in patients with difficult-to-achieve IV access. Failed insertion attempts can cause pain to the patient and increase infection rates. They can also be expensive for the hospital, as each attempt requires additional time and procedures. Our friends over at Civco have come up with Envision ultrasound covers and scanning pads that are 100% gel-free and are designed to help you insert IV devices without the use of ultrasound gel, saving you time and helping you to reduce the risk of patient contamination. Envision uses silicone adhesive that attaches easily to any transducer. Then instead of gel, you activate the probe with the use of sterile saline. When you're done with the procedure, you simply peel the cover off the ultrasound probe and send it to the high-level disinfection per your facility's policies. We invite you to request a free sample of Envision and try it out for yourself today. Just visit civco.com slash gelfree. That's C-I-V-C-O dot com slash G-E-L-F-R-E-E today. To be pragmatic, I mean, you just look at everything in the numerator of this equation, and that's those are all the things. I mean, intimacy, I agree, but we've lost credibility in medicine. Maybe not because of what we've done, but really because of what others have done to us. 
right? The attack on medicine in conjunction with a pandemic that really has strained. And now the the narrative that comes out of medicine is that medicine is burning itself out, that it's a, a bad career to be in, that it's tough, that it all those things. And then reliability, not just us in the emergency department, but medicine in general has a reliability issue and that we're struggling to get primary care visits back in person. They're still virtual and virtual is great for some accessibility, but you lose the intimacy and the connection. And, and there is a reliability and a credibility issue when you don't have person-to-person contact on on those visits. Or for us specifically in the emergency department, the reliability is now, previously, maybe you had to wait 20 minutes to get a bed and now you're waiting two hours, four hours, six hours. And so you can't rely on the care that you used to receive because that's not available anymore. Or now, even if you get seen quickly, but you have to be admitted to the hospital, you might be boarding for hours or days. I mean, maybe weeks for some of my patients, unfortunately, that needed specialty care and a transfer. And so everything on that numerator really is is a struggle right now. And forget what the denominator is. It doesn't even matter. If you have nothing on the top, the trustworthiness is is down. And so we have to build every single component of it. And really, we have to build all of those components with us as the providers first. And then we can start to enact that towards our patients. Yeah, as I think, well, I agree with the NTCs. It's an easy, to me, it's not an easy fix, but it's an easier fix, right? But when I think about self-orientation, I think that also through the pandemic, we got really big on it's about your diagnosis, it's about the process, and it wasn't about the person in front of us. And I feel like that's something that I felt disconnected from that I don't really do. I, for a while, have not practiced whole patient-centered care. And it's not hard to do it. It's just do it. And so I think that, to me, another thing that would be easy to do is if we can move the needle from this visit's about me getting a diagnosis and coming up with a plan and more about the patient that's in front of me and their needs, which is included with a diagnosis and a plan, but also addresses those other things that we sometimes disregard as, oh, it doesn't matter, it's not my, not my job, but if we can make it about the patient. A great example is I remember I had a patient a couple weeks ago with a resident, and the resident's like, yeah, they have a headache, they want an MRI, I'm not going to give it to them, I think it's want to go home. I was like... Well, that's pretty abrupt. Let me go talk to him. And I walk in and this patient is bawling her eyes out because the resident came in and said, you don't need an MRI tonight. You're going to go home. And I was like, well, time out. I haven't seen you yet. I'm the, hello, I'm Dr. Little. Let's do some service recovery. I'm um, the boss doctor. Yeah. Um, let's have a, but by the end of that conversation, it was, there weren't, none of the medicines she had at home were helping her. She had symptoms that were concerning for possibly a headache that needed an LP or an MRI. And it was probably reasonable to admit her to the hospital so she could get those because it was Friday at seven o'clock at night. And so I went back and talked to the resident. I said, hey, and he's like, well, you want to change my plan? I was like, no, I just want to make the plan about the patient. You wanted to make it about the fact that she should be fine at home and she's not. So let's just call medicine and say she's got the following headache. I think we should admit her for an LP and an MRI. He's like, I'm going to call them and they're going to get angry. And I was like, well, just call them and see. And he calls and they're like, oh, yeah, we should. Well, yeah. Admit her. She needs an MRI. And I was like, but we made it about the patient instead of the fact that the diagnosis didn't warrant what he thought was important. And the patient left, the patient left happy. They got their, like, they got the work that they needed. And the patient probably will trust us next time they come to the hospital. Where I imagine if she just would have left after the, you don't need your MRI leave, it'd be like, well, I'm never going back to that place. I could be dead. I'm not going back to that place. Yep. We've gotten so focused on the fact that we are completely overwhelmed as a medical system that we've forgotten that every single patient is unique and individual and that we need to be doing what is best for every single patient. You're absolutely right. Now now that you've seen this equation, what is a take-home point for you that the listener could say, this is what Tiffany thinks I should do, this is what Molly thinks I should do, this is what Drew thinks I should do, this is what Andy thinks I should do? I would say, kind of like my example with touching my patient's hand, 
is medicine's not medicine without the patient. Medicine's about humans together trying to help each other. So bring it back to that. As Andy said, it's not just the diagnosis. It's not just protocol. It's not just we're overwhelmed. Sit. Take that extra minute, like Molly said, and actually reach out and hold their hand. If they're scared, if they're upset, this is a terrifying, frightening place, and we've been through a rough couple of years. It doesn't take anything extra. You can check their pulses while you're doing it, so you can be super efficient, you know, but just take that extra minute. Yeah, I would say I need to, and what I'm going to encourage my learners to do too is slow down. We are losing our trustworthiness in exchange for some of our efficiency and throughput. And so if I take an extra two minutes per patient, not going to affect my overall metrics in any way, shape or form, but it's going to allow me to take that time to either make that connection, to explain that one thing that establishes more credibility, reliability, to actually begin to make that human connection again, and will improve the equation overall, just by simply taking an extra two minutes. I think you're on to something. Two minutes actually is a lot of time when multiplied by the 20 plus patients I have to see on shift. But the the thing, and I, I look at it a different way, I think of that self-orientation on the bottom is it, despite the fact that it goes against what the system needs, the individual patient needs me not to be selfish and make it not about me, but make it about them, right? So not finding the diagnosis so that I can check a box and say, I've here you go, but what do you need me to do to get you to the next step to get properly taken care of? Whatever that is. And so just returning it to be about patient-centered care. Yeah, you guys all said that what I was going to say. So I will pick something a little bit different. When I, another point that I like on this is the reliability part is be reliable for your patient. How many times have we said, oh, we'll be back? And we don't come back. Guilty. How many times yeah. have we said, oh, we'll give you an update? We don't give an update. So go out of your way. Again, if you get up from your desk... Leave with a bunch of things to do, including updating your patients. Let them know what's going on. Because that's another little thing that you can do to make them feel like, hey, I should trust this person. Because they said they were going to come back, and they did. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, I appreciate everybody here at the table hopping on for this conversation. If you're listening to this and enjoy it, don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can visit us at emovereasy.com. And do not forget, we are the official podcast of the American College of Osteopathic Emergency Physicians. To learn more about that organization and how you can get involved, head on over to acop.org today. Mm-hmm.